Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Curacao, no more options to deport Venezuelans. Haitian PM, Henry denies any involvement in Moise's murder. Haiti Aid Conference brings $600 million in pledges. Jamaica National HIV AIDS Response Project receives $1 billion. Dominican President removes all COVID-19 restrictions. St. Lucia experiencing delays in importation of brown sugar. Guyana Oil and Gas training center under construction and Edgar Belanga proud to represent New York City and Puerto Rico in super middleweight March bout on ESPN. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, February 17th. We start a report today in Curacao. St. Martin Island Times reports that Curacao has run out of options to return undocumented Venezuelans from its country. This has resulted in the undocumented Venezuelans remaining detained with no determined date of release. Human rights defenders once again address this issue during the recent visit to the island by the Dutch Secretary of State for Kingdom Relations, Alexandra Van Huffelen. Deportation is not possible after Venezuelan authorities banned all flights from the Kingdom of the Netherlands as of December 15. Repatriation through third countries has also become impossible as the Dominican Republic refuses to serve as its transit point any longer. The migrants have been held in the women's area of the SDKK prison for months. According to human rights defenders, this is not allowed in internationally because they are not convicted criminals and therefore cannot be arrested as such without the intervention of the courts. The organization is very pleased that both the local and Dutch governments are now ready to improve the reception of socioeconomic refugees, but it is unknown what that means in concrete terms. Sinkett's Nevis Observer reports that after months of speculation and allegations that he played a role in the assassination of Haiti's late President Jovenel Moise, interim Prime Minister Ariel Henry has denied involvement. In an exclusive interview with the Miami Herald, Henry said, What I know is that I have not been a part of that plot of the assassination of the president, and I'm looking for justice to be done. For months, political opponents and some observers have alleged Henry was involved in either the plot or its aftermath. Last week, a recorded conversation emerged of Gary Orlean, the former judge leading the assassination inquiry, saying the prime minister helped coordinate the assassination. Since then, multiple government officials, including Henry himself, have denied the allegations that Henry played a role in the July 7th assassination. Henry's connection to the assassination stems from a Haitian police investigative report, which found that the suspect and fugitive Joseph Felix Badio, who used to work in intelligence for Haiti's justice ministry, called Henry twice in the wee hours of the morning after the murder took place. Henry said in the Herald interview that he does not remember talking to Badio and that he had no knowledge of the assassination plot. Those who are involved have to be captured, he said, calling for justice. 
KTNews.net reports via Voice of America that a conference held on Tuesday led by the United Nations and Haiti's government brought pledges of $600 million to help Haiti recover from a powerful earthquake that struck the southern Haiti border last year. The pledges include $50 million from the U.S. Agency for International Development focused on food security, agricultural jobs, nutrition programs, and financial education. The European Union added more than $30 million in grants, while Canada pledged nearly $20 million in aid. Haiti's government has identified $2 billion in recovery programs following the magnitude 7.2 earthquake that killed an estimated 2,200 people and damaged more than 130,000 homes. The earthquake also devastated the education system, destroying 70% of schools in the region. Amina Mohammed, a deputy UN Secretary General, said the total price tag for the recovery effort is daunting, but that the people of Haiti deserve a stable, peaceful, and prosperous future. We are aware that aid budgets are under pressure across the globe. We also know there is donor fatigue, and we have heard loud and clear concerns about the results of aid in Haiti, but this is not the time to give up, she said. Jamaica Information Service reports that the government of Jamaica will be spending $1 billion on national HIV-AIDS response in Jamaica project over the 2020-2023 fiscal year. Objectives of the program are geared to reducing AIDS-related morbidity with effective biomedical and supporting interventions and reducing new HIV infections among key populations through behavioral and structural interventions. Up to the end of December 2021, 3,854 at-risk men were reached with HIV prevention programs, 265 transgender persons were served, 3,455 men who had sex with men got tested and results, and 218 transgender also got tests and results. The project also reached 3,192 men having sex with men with syphilis tests and results, 4,979 females who have sex with other females receive HIV prevention programs, and 4,164 females having sex with women receive HIV tests and results. The program achieved an enrollment of 1,116 adults and children in antiretroviral therapy services. BahamaNews.net reports that Dominican Republic President Louis Abner has announced the suspension of all COVID-19 restrictions due to the current decrease in number of daily cases while putting responsibility for individual health care squarely on the country's citizens. Measures such as the use of masks, the need to present the vaccination card to access all places or restrictions in public spaces today are the individual responsibility of each and every one of us. After this long battle, we have begun to recover our freedom, the president said in a statement published late on Wednesday on his administration's website. 
According to Abner, the Caribbean nation deserves and needs an emotional recovery by way of lifting COVID-19 measures permanently. Despite the decision to remove restrictions, the authorities will continue to promote COVID-19 vaccinations among the population. The decision to lift the COVID-19 restrictions in the country was taken as the daily number of COVID-19 cases has decreased significantly over the last month. The total number of registered COVID-19 cases in the Dominican Republic for the entire period of the pandemic is estimated at 570,636, with 4,351 deaths. In a press statement, St. Lucia's Ministry of Commerce, Manufacturing, Business Development, Corporatives, and Consumer Affairs announced that the ministry has been experiencing periodic delays with the importation of brown sugar to the island, stating that St. Lucia, like the rest of the world, continues to feel the impact of the global pandemic. The ministry said its suppliers have indicated that there is a global freight situation and the containers to ship this commodity have a longer turnover time. In some cases, the shippers are overbooked and so their ability to ship on a timely basis have been affected. Notwithstanding the delays, the ministry reassured stakeholders that they will be working assiduously to ensure that the shipment of brown sugar gets to the island by next week. Crider News reports that a pioneering venture between 3T Enermec and Oradoc Development Incorporated Training Center will deliver Guyana's first-in-country state-of-the-art training facility for the local workforce, supporting the development of the country's fast-growing offshore oil and gas sector. This venture will provide an industry-leading and internationally accredited facility in alignment with building on the recent enacted local content policy. Policy, the company said in a press release on Wednesday, established to empower and provide Guyanese with key skills and training certifications that are required to work in the offshore environment. The new 3T Enermec Guyana Training Center of Excellence combines expert instruction in classroom training facilities, blended learning software and technology, as well as fully immersed simulators for high hazard activity learning, the release added. Located in Lisignan, the company said over 20 million U.S. dollars have been invested into the infrastructure. Joseph Lingchon, resident Americas for Enermec, said it is our mission to develop local content globally and to help create safer, smarter and more sustainable workforces. Until now, Guyana nationals working in the oil and gas sector would be required to travel to Trinidad and Tobago, the U.S. or Canada for accredited training, making it very costly and time-consuming. This is compounded by the logistical challenges of the pandemic, including travel restrictions, additional requirements, and limited flight availability. Orenduk is also in the process of building Guyana's first commercial heliport as a part of a wider complex, which will incorporate the new training center, an aviation marine polytech school, as well as a hotel and business center. 
Antigua Newsroom reports that details of the amnesty which the government of Antigua will introduce from March 1st to April 30th, 2022 have been made public. Speaking in the House of Representatives on the national debate on the 2022 budget presentation on Tuesday, Immigration Minister the Honorable E.P. Chet Green called on all eligible migrants residing in Antigua and Barbuda to come forward and settle their status without fear. In his remark, the minister detailed those who work will be eligible for consideration under the Amnesty Initiative. Applicants who have resided in our country for a continuous period of four years, but who have not yet completed seven years, will be granted residency under Amnesty. Those persons with seven years or more in residency will be cleared for citizenship green outline. The minister was quick to point out that the amnesty is no trap, but it is a genuine move by the government of Antigua to offer the migrants in the society an opportunity to legalize their status. Migrants can become residents or citizens as their years of living here provides and the nation in turn will benefit from their skills, their services, and their financial contributions to our scheme for social security, medical benefits, and education, he noted. Green also noted that most migrants have lived in a country for a long time, noting that they work hard, support their families, worship at the same churches, among other things that come with being part of the society. The Amnesty Initiative will be administered by the Department of Immigration, whose officers Green credited with performing a critical role in keeping the nation safe. Antigua Newsroom reports that a scaled-down carnival lasting seven days is likely to take place in 2022. Antigua's Minister of Creative Industries, the Honorable Michael Brown, has assured the Cabinet that there will be no super-spreader events. He anticipated that T-shirt masks and city blocks filled with cultural exhibits of one sort or another will mark Carnival 2022. The cabinet agreed to assist Calypsonian, soca artists, and other who require the need of a studio in order to advance their cultural art form. An arrangement is to be made with the owner of recording studios to reduce electricity costs so long as they pass on to the artists the savings in electricity that will be realized by them. Barbados Today reports that Barbados's premier agricultural fest is to make a scheduled comeback this year with new dates and some possible changes. Organizers of the annual AgroFest Showcase, Chief Executive Officer of the Barbados Agricultural Society, James Paul, said he and his team were currently mulling over an end of May date for the weekend festival, which would usually attract hundreds. While it is not clear if this year's AgroFest would have overseas participation like it had in the past, Paul told Barbados Today a number of sponsors were on board and have already expressed their excitement about the festival. Yes, we are looking to have AgroFest and we are targeting the end of May. The 28th and 29th of May are the dates we are looking at, Paul said. However, he stressed that while plans are still being discussed, he was keeping a close watch on developments related to the COVID-19 pandemic and that the showcase would be tailored accordingly with all safety measures in place. 
The Agricultural Fest is usually held at Queens Park in the city over the last weekend in February each year, attracting school children on Friday and opening to the rest of the population on Saturday and Sunday. With more than 200 exhibitors annually, the festival provides patrons with an array of product services including food, arts, craft, banking options, and consultant services, animals and plants, and a variety of new product offerings from which to sample and purchase. Paul told Barbados today that there was no theme for this year's AgroFest just yet, but said the initial thinking was that it would be focused heavily on health and wellness, pointing out that people seem to be taking more responsibility for their health and safety, Paul said. The whole question of biosecurity, health and wellness will have special significance in any AgroFest that will be coming this year. He said once the dates have been confirmed, there will be an official launch. And finally, Fight Mag reports that Edgar Berlanga will face Steve Rolls live from Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden in New York City on Saturday, March 19. The pair squares off in a schedule for 10-round super middleweight bout live on ESPN and ESPN Deportes and live streaming on ESPN+. The Brooklyn-born Berlanga 18-0-16 knockouts went the distance twice last year following 16 first-round stoppages to begin his pro career. After surgery to repair a torn biceps suffered last October, he is ready to begin a new knockout streak against Rolls 21-1 with 12 knockouts, a Canadian veteran who has had a pair of knockout wins since 2019 TKO defeat to Ginaldi Golovkin. I'm proud to represent New York City and Puerto Rico. I want to be the next great Puerto Rican champion. My first memory of boxing were watching Tito Trinidad fight as a little kid, and I want to give the Puerto Rican people something that they can be proud of. I think 2022 is going to be a big year for me, and I can't wait to kick it off with my first main event in New York City. The event titled The Night of Young Stars also features Kashawn Davis up against Esteban Sanchez and Xander Zayas face off Quincy Lavalias. Tickets can be purchased through Vivid Seats and Ticket Network. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, February 17th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.